0: Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's October the 7th, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today on the Defender Podcast, we are talking about Orphan Sunday, which is coming up in the month of November. And we are so excited about Orphan Sunday and what that can mean for your family as well as for the church. And so today our guest is Pastor Chris, who is our director of National Church Partnerships. And we're so excited to have him tell us a little bit more about Orphan Sunday and what to expect for Orphan Sunday. But I think the most impactful thing that you're going to hear today from Pastor Chris is that he didn't realize about the orphan crisis both in the United States and around the world. He didn't realize the vulnerability of children in our foster care system or the vulnerability of children around the world until he knew their name and until he saw their face. And so stay tuned to hear Pastor Chris, our very own here at Lifeline, talk about coming face to face with a child which changed the direction of their family and which changed the direction of him vocationally. Oh, such good stuff! And that's the reason we need to be talking about Orphan Sunday and helping our congregations and our people come face-to-face with the epidemic of vulnerable children here in the United States and around the world. But before we hear from Pastor Chris, I want to remind you that if you're considering international adoption, but you're stuck with so many questions, we invite you to join our upcoming webinar, Roadmap to International Adoption on October the 11th. Topics include the application process, what's a home study, what does travel look like, as well as financing your adoption, and so much more. One of the great things about the Roadmap to International Adoption is we've just recently released a a, a resource that actually helps you to know how to fund your adoption, and we will walk through that resource and answer all of your questions. Register for free today at lifelinechild.org. Backslash info meetings. Lifelinechild.org backslash info meetings. Well, like I said today, we are so grateful to be joined by Pastor Chris. And Pastor Chris is such a blessing to our team. He joined our team in March of 2020, and he serves as a national director of church partnerships. He previously served as a pastor for 24 years, as well as the executive director of the Kentucky Governor's Office of Faith and Community-Based Initiative. Chris has also served as a consultant and has been a frequent speaker at local, state, and national conferences, churches, and community gatherings, sharing his family's story and challenging others to answer the gospel call to care for vulnerable children and families. He was born and raised in Metro Atlanta and currently lives in Birmingham, Alabama. He attended Regent University And studied educational leadership and also trinity baptist college where he studied church ministries he has an amazing wife who is his partner in crime alicia and they have 10 children three of which came biologically and seven which entered their home uh, through the foster care process uh, but became their children through adoption they've also served as foster parents for more than 40 children And so we are so grateful to have Pastor Chris here with us today and to talk a little bit more about Orphan Sunday. But before we do, Pastor Chris, you were serving in the local church, and really you were faithfully preaching the gospel. You You were loving and pastoring your flock. But I think it's fair to say that your church wasn't known as a church that really did much in the space of foster care, adoption, or caring for orphans but that all changed one Sunday. Tell us a little bit more about what happened.
1: Yeah, thanks Herbie, it's great to be with you today and excited to be able to to be on this this, uh, podcast with you today. Um, You know, the reality is I, I grew up in church my dad's a pastor. Uh, had spent many years in pastoral ministry. Um, it actually was a point where God had called us to a new community to, where we were part of a planning a church. And and so it had just kind of started this new church. And literally two weeks into the church is really when things, my, my world got pretty much turned upside down, uh, the catalyst that God used. So two weeks into our church plant, we have a family that show up and I'm standing in the lobby and I'm watching them come in and I see these kids getting out of the car and more kids getting out of the car, more kids getting out of the car. And I'm like, what's the deal? This family, none of the kids match. None of them look like their parents. What's going on? And of course we uh, quickly realized they were a foster family, had been fostering for some time, had adopted uh, several children as well. And, uh, and so we just kind of, as a, as this new church plant really like you said before, had no exposure to the, the need in our community, no exposure, no understanding. I hate saying that now because, because again, scripture's so full of this, but just my eyes had never been open to it before and really just didn't understand the need in, in our local community uh, or even the need around the world. It was just something that Was somebody else's problem? You saw a commercial, you cried, maybe even sent some money toward, but didn't really, it wasn't really personal. Uh, But now it became personal. And we said, okay, as this new church, we don't understand foster care. We don't know what it's all about. But God obviously brought us here, brought this family here. So he's calling us to serve them. And so that kind of opened up a whole new world to us as we just kind of leaned into, went to them and said, what do you need? How can we as your church family help you? Uh, And then God just did some incredible things out of that.
0: Yeah, and so... It really did change the trajectory, and not instantly. I mean, certainly it wasn't like the very next day you and Alicia It was went. a process of about a year. Right, they became that foster parents. Mm-hmm. But but talk about that process over the year, the communication you and Alicia had, because the th- truth of the matter is it didn't just change your direction for your leadership of that church and that church plant. It also changed the trajectory for your family. So talk about just how that really
1: started to take root over that next year. Sure. So we, we started ministering to this family, caring for them. A a few weeks later, another family that were friends with them came to our church. We started seeing two or three other different families that they were connected with that they were inviting to church. Uh, So started ministering to them. Well, then again, recognizing, okay, these kids are here. How do they get in their in their home? Okay, there's the local agency. There's our state agency that's connected uh, with this process. And so we said, okay, if these families need help, there's other families out there that probably need help too. So we said, let's go to our state agency. Let's go sit down with them and just kind of. At that point, there weren't a lot of orphan care ministries. There weren't a lot of organizations helping with this. So we didn't really know what to offer them. We just kind of went down, sat down and said, what do you need? Here we are. How can we help you? Um, a couple of things they said right off the bat. We God had blessed our church plant with a another church had closed and given us their building. And so it was just a, a miraculous thing there. So we, they said, can we use your building for trainings? Absolutely. It's empty during the week. We'd love that. So we started hosting foster parent trainings. Um, another thing they said was, Can we use your facility for visitations? Bio parents need to visit with their children who are in foster care. And we had a nursery, we had a playground. We're like, Absolutely. You can use our building for that. So what we started happening is we just started loving on them, loving on their families, loving on their employees and their staff, um, which again just kind of built that relationship, which is so important. And the more that we did that, the more we started just kind of saying, Man, there's 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 more that needs to be done. And so um, God, in his unique sense of humor and sovereignty, uh, laid on my heart to do a sermon series through the book of James. And again, I'm naive, don't really know anything about it, James one twenty seven was not even on my radar, and so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to preach through verse by verse through the book of James. We're going to study this. Just I've always loved the practicality of James, uh, and so started studying that. Well, I got to James one twenty seven, and God just wrecked me, and it was literally. Um, I remember I can almost remember it so clearly, just just as I'm preparing that message, God just hit me and said, "Are you going to, are you going to preach this? Or are you going to live this?" And uh, you know, I grew up. Knowing the last part of that verse, keeping ourselves unspotted from the world, but not really understanding the way that we do that is by visiting the orphan and widow in their distress. and And so, uh, God just really smote my heart about that and said, you know, I think we're supposed to our family's supposed to be foster parents. And so I tell people often it was it was one thing to say yes to God. But then I'm like, OK, I got to have this conversation with my wife. And what's that going to look like? We you know, we had three daughters. We were totally content with two daughters and God gave us a third one. And we were great and happy about that, but really had no intention of adding to our family. And even as we entered into foster care, really, that was not on our radar or our plans but little did I know that God had been paring her heart as well, which is so often the case. And so when I approached her about it, she actually told me that about a week earlier, she had heard a Focus on the Family broadcast where they were talking about the need for Christ followers to step into orphan care and foster care. And she had been wrestling with it and praying about the same thing. And so we recognized that the Holy Spirit doesn't say two things. He had been speaking to her, speaking to me. And it was time for our family to step up and engage and be a part of this. Hmm
0: and step up your family did because you know you all of a sudden went from watching this family pile out of a minivan or out of a van to literally doubling your family so you know at this point it's you and alicia and your three girls and now you're the johnson party of 10 of course again it wasn't just over that year but johnson johnson that's right the johnson does in the 12 of (laughs) more than double uh you know your your family grew and and god did that but your passion also changed and And your church actually became known even throughout Florida, central Florida especially, as a church that was active in foster care. And that changed the trajectory of other churches, and that changed the trajectory of other pastors. Talk about how that influence just had a trickle-down effect.
1: You know, what I've found over and over again, when when Christ followers when they finally truly understand the need around them, when they finally see or their eyes are open to the need, and then they connect that with the biblical call and the clear biblical mandate to step into that need and be the solution, God's solution through the church, the opportunities will, will become available. And there are gonna be plenty of opportunities for you then to step into that place and and be what God has called you to be. And so that's really what happened at Liberty. We, we just started saying, what more can we do? How can we be a part of this? And God started, you know, as we were ministering to foster families in our community, God started bringing some of them to our church. We saw some of them come to know the Lord. We started seeing um, the biological parents of children who were in foster care, who were part of our church. We started seeing those biological parents come to know the Lord. Um, our church became more open to welcoming brokenness and hurt people into our, into our place. And what, what happens is when you just start, Believing God and saying yes to God and letting God work through you, it it just completely changes everything about you. And so our church started seeing the gospel lived out in flesh and blood. It was it was like it was lived out in Technicolor. I mean, you when you see someone who has lost their children, who uh, have been addicted to, to drugs and 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 uh, are in just the worst place that they could possibly be, when you see them come into the church and there's and the gospel is shared with them and true believers wrap love around them and God saves them and begins to change their lives. And God begins to change the lives of teenagers and kids that are in foster care who are traumatized and hurt you just can't deny it. And, and what happens is it starts building an air of excitement and it's just, it just kind of just has this snowball effect. And so we got to the point where we weren't a huge church, but a little over a third of our church families were fostering or adoptive families. And so um, we started saying, you know what, there gotta be other churches out there that don't know about this need as well. And, and so we started sharing with them. Well then also that state agency that we were ministering to, they started sharing with other agencies and the system in Florida, it's more of a privatized system. So you've got these different 19, 20 different private, organizations. Well, the one that we were ministering to, they started sharing with others, hey, you got to hear about what this church is doing. And 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 they would be talking to their partners and their partners would say, you know, hey, the church needs it. We, we don't know how to get to the church. And they would say, well, let's tell you what's what's in this church. Eventually, I found myself at a, um, at a Florida State Department of Children and Families meeting. It's a huge summit they do every year, uh, several thousand people, and found myself in a room, don't know how I got there, other than the providence of God, uh, but with some attorneys, judges, social workers, uh, foster families, adoptive families, and basically the head of the agency for Central Florida stepped up and said, we have a new secretary at the Department of Children and Families and he has challenged us all uh, that we need to engage the faith community. And he said, I'm just going to be honest with you, we don't know how to do it so we are open to any ideas any of you may have. And uh, that then kind of raised my hand and said, hey I kind of might can help a little bit in that. And God started opening doors and we started being able to, to minister to the state agencies and help them understand how to connect with the church. But then we started seeing where a lot of churches had the heart, but didn't know what to do. We had people going into churches and telling stories and getting people, um, you know, having the heart for that, but they didn't know what to do with that heart. And so started just kind of sharing with other pastors and in pastor uh, meetings, associational meetings, different conferences, started kind of speaking on both sides and just seeing God, uh, just sharing what God had happened in our life and then helping others kind of figure out how to get engaged and involved themselves so that they, too, could see uh, this miraculous work happen in their church. Amen.
0: So kind of bringing all of your story back down to this day called Orphan Sunday in, in the church today, you know, the truth of the matter is most people in churches either know too little about orphan care and foster care and caring for the vulnerable in the sense that it's some foreign concept that they really don't know about or they maybe think it's just so big what can i do and orphan sunday is really a way to show first the church to say it's it's not biblical to know too little we need you need to know more but it's also let's not get overwhelmed and let's boil it down to what you can do why has why why as not just the director of church partnerships at lifeline but why as a
1: child of god do you believe orphan sunday is so important I think what Orphan Sunday is really—it's a—it's a catalyst. It's an opportunity. It's an—it's a—a um, way for churches to kind of either either one enter into this space or two grow and develop their engagement and interaction in this space. What Orphan Sunday does, and and you know. We, we tend to say there's there's Orphan Sunday It's one Sunday a year where all the church gathers together globally. It's recognized. And 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 I love being a part of something that's happening globally all across the, the world on one certain day. But the reality is if you can't do it on that day, just pick a Sunday. It can be any Sunday. Any Sunday can become Orphan Sunday. But when a church takes the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to give at least part of our service, our worship service on a given Sunday to calling our church to understanding this need and calling our church to action, um, I think it's so important important. And there's, there's two things that it allows the church to do. One, it allows the church to raise that level of engagement and awareness. Um, again, I grew up in a great church, preached the Bible, um, you know, the, the solid church. And and really, this was not on my radar. And I, as I have conversations over and over again, as I traveled across Florida, across Kentucky, across the country, I meet so many believers that are like, I just didn't realize how big of an issue this was. I just didn't understand. And so the church has to take the opportunity to vocalize this, to put it into action, to, to put faces and names in front of our church family so they understand the issue. So orphans, Sunday is a great way to raise awareness. If it's something brand new to your church, this is a great way to introduce it. The second thing Orphan Sunday does is it provides an opportunity for pastors and church leaders to give their people clear next steps that they can take uh, to show them. Again, you're talking about how how big the issue is, but to break it down and say, hey, it, this is the issue on a global level. What in, a, in a global area, this is the issue on a national level, but this is the issue in our local community. But here are a few next steps, something that you can do. Uh, God calls some of our people to foster. God calls some of our people to adopt. But God calls all of our people to do something. And so I am so I think Orphan Sunday just provides a great platform and opportunity for us to give some clear steps to what that something might be. We can present adoption. We can present foster care. Or we can present, hey, find a family in love. on them find a child and mentor them we can present simple steps but what we want to urge our people to do is hear the need recognize the call and step into an opportunity that's really what it's all about amen so to talk a little bit and drill down for us
0: about orphan sunday so we know it's in november why november and if a church hasn't
1: ever done orphan sunday why would it be
0: a good idea to start this november
1: it's it's a great it's a great thing. November is known around the world as national uh, around the country as National Adoption Month, and so it's a time again where you're gonna you're gonna see social media posts, you're gonna see TV ads, uh, and this is not something just in in church world. This is in uh, the, just the country in general, and so a lot of attention and focus is being given during November on adoption, and and so it really just becomes be, presents a natural platform for Orphan Sunday to take place during that time, um, and so again just to have a date where we can. Kind of say churches all over the world are celebrating together. Um, it's kind of traditionally over the last few years been celebrating on celebrated on the second Sunday of November uh, has kind of been the traditional time when that has happened. Um, but but really again, it's, it's about any church kind of p- picking a time to give that attention and give that focus. And and so I would say again believe in urgency, right? The, the, the need is great. Um, and, and in this time of COVID and this time of uh, unprecedented times, as we keep hearing over and over again, the needs of orphans, the needs of vulnerable children, the needs of vulnerable families have never been greater. Um, and I think they've, they've been even in some ways hidden during the season. And the, the more we get, see things coming back to normal, the more important it is we're going to see even more and more cases of of children and families that need support, that need the church to step up and care for them. And so I don't think we can wait. I think we've got to do this now. We've got to step into it now. And so if you've never done anything like this as a church, there are things as simple we've put together some resources that are as simple as show a video in your service that kind of does all this talk for you it's about a minute and a half video that shows this and even gives a website where people can go to next steps Um, if you've got a foster family in your church have them give a testimony Um, or certainly you can you can present and preach a message or or have a guest speaker come in if you don't feel comfortable doing that there's so many things you can do there's no reason to push this off any longer Let's bite the bullet. Let's jump in and let's present this opportunity to our church and our church family so that as these needs become more visible, we're ready to step up and be a part of and be the solution. I believe the church should be the ultimate solution. And so we're going to be ready to do that.
0: And and even on that, you know, Pastor Chris, you obviously have been a pastor. Uh, You've worked in the local church for, for over 24 years. You know, we haven't mentioned it that much but but like we said in the offset uh then you became the director of of, of church engagement of faith engagement for the governor of kentucky governor Bevan, when he was in office um and even in that role I, I know you so i know you took that role because you saw it as an opportunity to engage the local church why why is it that the church needs to be the answer? Because I know even within the church, a lot of times, unfortunately, we look at government and we say, well, that's government's job and we'll let them do that. But that was never the way God intended it. It was never the way it was supposed to be. Why is it so imperative that the church is getting engaged in caring for the vulnerable?
1: You're exactly right. I mean, the whole reason church the government had to do this was because the church stepped aside and didn't do what God called them to do. Um, I think we as the church often, though, we, we it's very easy for us to look at government and point out all the things that they do wrong and the ways they do things wrong. And and man, I just man, they're they're um, it's it's a broken system, and we have all these different rocks that we throw at government. But we really don't have any right to do that if we're not willing to step in and help. <laughs> if we're not willing to roll up our sleeves and come alongside government and say, um, "Hey, help us! Let us help you. Let us be a part of the solution." And not coming to them as as a uh, we're better than you and we've got it figured out because we we in the church have proven over and over again that we don't have this issue figured out. Uh, but we know who does, and that's the connection. And so, as we a, a, again as as in my personal interactions and interactions with other churches that I was connected with, as we started just coming and loving on government, building relationship with government, we found them extremely receptive to our help, as long as we came in the right spirit and the right attitude. And And so I think that we as Christ followers, God's not called us to... To, to live outside of this. The, the reality is we need Christ followers engaged in government. We need Christ followers who are social workers that are working with the system. We need Christ followers in places of influence, in places of being able to, to lead from a gospel perspective, from a biblical worldview. And so even in our work there in Kentucky, we we found, um, man, the, the state was welcome. They loved being able to, to find ways to engage more people, to find ways to get uh, bodies church bodies engaged and involved. um, And really what what we were able to see, and and again, I was with an agency in Florida and they did a study of who are their best foster parents. And over and over again, they found that their best foster parents were people of faith people that said that they were doing this because they were called to it. So even, even our secular government, the world knows this, that, that when you're called to do something, when you're serving from a passion, that's greater than yourself, um, then you're going to, you're going to make a greater impact and a greater difference. And so uh, the, the, the government is, war, is looking for these partnerships and relationships, and again, I know it's not perfect in every situation, and there are gonna be times where we may see things a little differently, um, but man, if we don't engage together with uh, the, the public sector, then, then we're missing out uh, on a great opportunity and missing out on really the, the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to show love and attention away. We, we still have social workers that we poured into that still reach out to us for prayer, uh, for advice, for direction. And so it's it's a it's a great thing to see these two coming together uh, for the glory of the Lord. Amen. And
0: so now I I'm I'm thinking there are folks that are listening to this podcast and and they are passionate about defending the fatherless. They're passionate about orphan care and adoption and foster care because they're listening to this podcast. Um, Many may be foster families. Many may be adoptive families. Many may just be advocates who have been engaged. And, and for years, they've been wanting their church to do Orphan Sunday, but for whatever reason, they haven't participated. And so talk to those who are maybe even mildly frustrated that they can't get the attention of their pastor. They can't get the attention of, of those that lead their church to say, we need to do an Orphan Sunday. As a pastor, you know it's important, but before you really have been impacted, How would you counsel these people to go to their pastor, to go to their elders, to go to the church leadership, to advocate that their church
1: be a part of Orphan Sunday? That's a great great question. It happens so often. Um, One thing I would just really encourage you is be patient be patient, um, recognize again, if they have not been clearly presented with this need in a way that they can see and understand, it may not be on their radar. They may not understand, uh, the gravity of, it. and it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, that they're not preaching the true gospel, those kind of things. So, so I would say be, be patient with them. Um, but then the, the second thing I would say is, is, is I think that, I think sometimes we, we, we expect people to know our needs without us sharing our needs. Um, foster parents tend to be adoptive parents. We tend to be kind of in this mindset, God called me to do this. And so I'm going to have to bear my own weight and carry my own load. Uh, this is my burden to bear. And so we're not uh, very apt to share our needs and to be open about this. So I would say definitely it starts with being open about your own needs, being open about the own realities, the realities of your family, uh, the struggles of your family, the good and the bad. Um, and if and if you're in a, in a setting where you're not able to have that personal Connection with your pastor or with some of your church leaders, then, then just start building a network around you. Start with your small group. Uh, help your small group understand what this is about. And again, as that small group starts seeing life change and they start understanding the need, they're going to share with another small group. And that small group's going to say, hey, we want in on this. We want in on part of that. And, and what God can do is really just kind of have a grassroots effort that spread that begins to spread. And the more people you've got engaged and involved in understanding this, the more likely it's going to get to the level of someone in leadership, Um, it it may take some time. It may take them seeing how this kind of plays out in your life. Um, but again, just, just kind of living your life out loud and, and being okay with that. Um, I know there are things that are private. There are things about our kids' stories that are theirs to tell and that we, there, there's some struggles they've been through that, that we're not as open about and not likely to share with people because it's our family story. Um, but at the same time, living in such a way where you're allowing God to use you to be a witness to others about how he can work through this, it just goes a long way. And so it, it begins to build a network and gain momentum within your church Um, I've told some people, I'm like, hey, have you built enough momentum to where your pastor has to notice it? He's going to be like, man, what's going on here? I got to figure out this. And he's going to want it more for even more in his church. So just allow God to work organically, allow God to work. Another kind of thing that I tell people and, and uh, sorry, pastors, I'm kind of saying this, but the reality is if you can't get the pastor's ear, find out who does have the pastor's ear and go to that person. Maybe it's a staff member that you wouldn't think would be someone out front on the pulpit. It doesn't have to be someone on the pulpit. Um, It could be, a, an executive assistant, it could be an administrative pastor, it could be a children's pastor, an education pastor. Um, but but find out who that is and share the need with them, and then ask them if they'll help go with you and go with you to talk to the to the senior pastor, or the lead pastor. Again, uh, help them see uh, the reality of this, and it and it will definitely God can use that in a great way.
0: Amen. So. If if someone is listening and they wanted to send an email to their pastor with the resources that you have mentioned, give us that website again.
1: Lifelinechild.org slash Orphan Sunday.
0: Okay. so Simple l- enough. Lifeline.org. Lifelinechild.org backslash Orphan Orphan Sunday. And so Pastor Chris, as, as we close, you know, you and I have both seen the impacts of the gospel on vulnerable children, not just from a physical standpoint, but we've also seen children that have been transformed spiritually. And one of the most beautiful things I have witnessed, and I've witnessed so many beautiful things, but but one that I think about the local church here in the United States is a family that was impacted, same thing, by that catalyst. They had uh, three boys, you had three girls, they had three boys, and the Lord just burned them through an interaction at their church to adopt. And so in the end, they adopted uh, five children, two from Eastern Europe, three from Asia, and one of their boys from Asia, who is profoundly deaf, I remember when he was baptized at my local church. And, And at the time, you know, every person had to give their testimony. And so he was signing his testimony, and his mom was translating. And he said, one day I want to go back to the country that I was born in, and I want to go share this gospel with others who can't hear like me, who may never have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. You know, the ultimate reason that we have to be about helping our people understand the plight of the orphan, the plight of the child in foster care, is because this is a group of people that desperately need the hope that comes only from the gospel of Christ Jesus. And so there are people that are listening to this podcast, and they know folks that are at churches that probably, unfortunately, are not going to do Orphan Sunday. They're not going to participate. Uh, they're, they're at churches where uh, they're not talking about the, the James one twenty seven, the justice, as well as the gospel proclamation, and that they don't have to be divorced so what are some next steps that they can take? Because they know a family who's been pricked, but they don't know what to do. Or they, they know a family that that's on the verge of wanting to do something. How would you say, what are the next steps? Is there, a, is there a site you can give them or a place that you can give them to say these are the next steps you need to take to get engaged on behalf of vulnerable children?
1: Absolutely, you can go to lifelinechild.org slash next steps. There you go, simple, plain and simple. It's, lifelinechild.org slash next steps. And on that site, it's going to have some clear direction. Here are things that you can do as an individual. Here are things that you can do as a family. Here are things that you can do as a church. And there's going to be things on there that, that you can partner with Lifeline on, and that it'll, it'll take you to programs and, and resources that we have at Lifeline. But then there also are going to be some things on there that are just practical, simple things that you can do all on your own. Uh, and so I encourage you to check out that website, go to that site, and uh, find something that you can do. Be willing, be ready to take your next step.
0: Amen. And so we know that 2020 has been different, and so Orphan Sunday will even look different, as maybe many churches will have Orphan Sunday with mask on, which is certainly not what we had expected when we first started thinking about Orphan Sunday 2020. But ultimately, beloved, we will persevere caring for the vulnerable because of the high calling which God has appointed us to bring gospel hope to the vulnerable. While others may quit in government, while other humanitarians may quit because it's too hard, as the Church of Jesus Christ, we will forge ahead because ultimately... We have confidence that when we care for the vulnerable with gospel hope that God will accomplish great things for his glory and the good of his children. So go to lifelinechild.org backslash Orphan Sunday or lifelinechild.org backslash Next Steps to get engaged. And we pray that you would have the influence at your church to see Orphan Sunday either on November 8th or some other day in the future but ultimately we pray that the body of Christ would truly be equipped and would truly be awakened to manifest this glorious gospel to orphan and vulnerable children. Thanks for listening to The Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review The Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information, how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info@lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.